Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Notice what he calls himself in verse 1. He says, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, talking to the past, what he had seen, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, the future when Jesus returns. Now, this is something should be said of all of us. If you've read your Bible a few times, you're our witness to the sufferings of Christ. If Jesus Christ has done the remarkable work of grace in your life, which we call the new birth, then you are a witness to what God has done and you should be aware that you will partake of the glory to be revealed. The Apostle Peter, the author of the book of 1 Peter, was a witness to Jesus' life on earth. He saw Jesus' perfection. He saw him willingly die on the cross for our sins. Then Jesus called Peter and others to be leaders in Christ's church. Church leadership is both a privilege and a challenge. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 with part one of his message entitled, Leading God's Flock. When you go through books of the Bible verse by verse, as is our custom here at Calvary Chapel, the Lord brings the topics. And so the Lord brings quite the variety of topics. And it's interesting to see the reactions of people to the topics that he brings. Sometimes people say something like this to me, you know, I wish I could stand in back of you and watch the reactions of the people as you're speaking. And I would say, you know, it can be kind of funny at times. Today we come to a section uh, that's interesting. It's about leadership in the church and what church leaders are supposed to look like, what people like me or how we're supposed to live and people uh, in the congregation are to pray for such things. And I'm guessing the reactions are going to be all over the page. Some of you would be very appreciative of God bringing such a topic. Some of you would be very indifferent. You're like, I can't believe you're not going to talk about Donald Trump and O.J. Simpson. Are you that out of touch with reality about what's going on in the world? Some of you will feel blessed that maybe in your church experience that you feel that some of these things have been shown to you or modeled for you. Perhaps some of you might hear a call from God. Others of you might not hear anything at all. Some of you will have a conviction of sin. In other words, God will be speaking to you. Maybe you're a boss. Maybe you're a mom, maybe you're a dad, and the Lord is saying to you, is this the way you're leading your flock? Is this the way you are leading what has been entrusted to you? I know the Bible sometimes to a lot of people feels irrelevant. I can tell you in in my years in the business world and being a father and a husband, I have found that the principles of the Bible to be invaluable to leading a company and to being the leader of a family and serving alongside with my wife and the raising of our children. Some of you might today find a confirmation that God is at work in you in certain things in your life that maybe were different before and you are to keep pressing onward. Well, leadership is a very interesting topic. A lot of people say today there's a leadership crisis in our nation, a leadership crisis in our church. Some people are are looking for leaders. Some people look to leaders. Some people trust and follow their leaders. Other people have absolutely no trust and would never follow anybody except themselves. 
Some people praise their leaders too much. Other people are too critical of their leaders. Usually, I just, when it comes to that, I say people are uninformed. Sometimes I'll meet someone who knows someone I know, and they'll just tell me how wonderful they are. And inside, I will think, you barely know them. Because all the things you said, they couldn't possibly be all of those things. And then five minutes later, I could meet somebody who knows the same person, and they're telling you what a jerk that person is. And I'm like, you don't really know them. Because we're all kind of, you know, just in the middle. We have our good days and bad days, and most of us are probably in the middle when we think about leadership. You know, I don't know about you. Any sports fans in the room? I'm a, I'm a sports fan. And I, don't, I found it for myself. It's a lot easier. Let's take football for an example. It's a lot easier for me to critique an NFL coach or an NFL quarterback than it is to be one. I struggle to be one, right? But it, and it's easy for me to be critical of some guy who, who throws the ball out of bounds when, when eight large men are seeking to kill him and dismember him. And so I can, I can question and second guess lots of people. But if you're a leader, you know it's hard to make decisions that everybody's gonna like. And that's not an easy place to be. I mean, look at the approval ratings of politicians. How often is it one-third love them, one-third hate them, and one-third could give a, you know, you know what, they could care less. And so it's very, very difficult. And the reason is that someone's always going to be mad. Someone's always going to feel cheated. And church is the same way. And the reason church is the same way is it's because it's made up of humans. And sometimes I think, and you might be like, do you really think like this? I actually do. Who in their right mind would want to be a leader? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm just driving along and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> right? This is just, this is just absurd. This is, this, is, this is ridiculous. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm really glad that you're here. I'm really thankful that you're here. I thought I was a Christian the first time I walked into a church like ours. And a few weeks it took me to realize that I really wasn't. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said the, the way you become a Christian is you realize you're not a Christian. But I think it's really important for you, especially in the age of church scandals, to know that God said something about what he expected from his leaders. God was not looking for leaders to be famous and to take all the people's money and then form a reality show and have eight wives and do all that. That's not, that's not what God intended at all. God set a standard for leaders and like you'll say, you know, I never ever saw that. Without a doubt, the Lord Jesus Christ calls some people to be leaders in his church. And for them, today's text should be very, very challenging and it should be very, very humbling. If you think after reading this, you got it, you're not a leader. I can tell you that point black, you have to thank God, anybody but me. And if you don't feel the call to be a leader, that's okay, but you should be called and we are called to pray for our leaders. Now, there's other New Testament texts that focus on the qualities of leaders. And what do I mean by the qualities of leaders? I might put it this way. It's the presence of biblical faithfulness and gifts. You're faithful in what God has asked you to do, and you've been gifted by God in what you are to do. But here, Peter talks more about the attitude of leaders and how they lead the people of God. So, if you're taking notes, there's four things we want to look at today in terms of God's leaders in the church. And it's very important everybody understands this. Number one, God's leaders are exhorted to lead. God's leaders are exhorted to lead. 
Verse 1 says, the elders, and those would be the leaders in the church, who are among you, I exhort. Sometimes you're like, where does he get these words for there's outlines? There you go. I steal it from the Bible, right? So another version says, I appeal to you, figuring that guy who wrote that version says, nobody knows what exhort means. And the idea is there is a sense of urgency. Peter knows that the people in that area, remember we said he's writing to churches in the area, the Roman Empire, that's sort of on the fringes of the Roman Empire, but there's the pinch of the Roman Empire, the heat's starting to get a little bit more, he knows that the suffering's coming, and there's an urgency, he's telling the leaders, he's saying, I urge you, I, he says, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, and we'll go into verse two just a little bit, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Let's stop right there. So again, Peter writing to churches, talking about suffering. Last week, a big message on suffering. You can listen to it on our website. And now he talks to leaders about their hard and heart-wrenching task. Last week, he told us, Peter told us, that the time has come for judgment. We said that word can also mean evaluation. Judgment to begin at the house of God. And it could be here saying to the leaders as he moves into the task of leadership, as God is evaluating, remember we said God wants to figure out and show us whether we're orange juice or sunny delight, right? If we're the real deal. And he could be saying to leaders here, don't be surprised when that evaluation starts with you. Be on the lookout, search your soul. And some of us have realized in the church that some leaders think they are above such things. Not true. Not true. And Peter, perhaps saying here, don't be surprised when the Lord starts his judgment, when he starts his evaluation, as much as you might think it starts with the people in the church, that it starts with you. But notice how Peter addresses the leaders with humility. In chapter one, he told us he was an apostle. Why would he tell us that in chapter one? We said that gave an authority to the letter. We call the Bible the word of God. So he's saying, what I'm speaking to you is the word of God. But here he describes himself as a fellow elder, as a fellow leader. If you will, I'm a guy, he's saying to these leaders, in the trenches with you. We're on the same team. We're fighting the same battle. Now, this is very, very important for all of us to understand. Whether... Whether this is your church, whether you are from the area and you are looking for a church, we'd love to have you join us. We'd love to have you join us. Or you're just in town for the weekend and you're just trying to you know, figure these things out or you're just visiting, it doesn't matter. God's leaders genuinely see themselves as sinners saved by grace. If they don't, they're a danger to the flock. If they see themselves as being at this level above the people in terms of how they are and, and where God has placed them, they are a danger to the flock. A shepherd who forgets that they are part of God's flock is very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. The pastor is not over the people. The word of God is over the people. And all of us live subject to the word of God. Very important. Notice what he calls himself in verse 1. He says, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, talking to the past, what he had seen, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, the future when Jesus returns. 
Now, this is something should be said of all of us. If you've read your Bible a few times, you're our witness to the sufferings of Christ. If Jesus Christ has done the remarkable work of grace in your life, which we call the new birth, then you are a witness to what God has done, and you should be aware that you will partake of the glory to be revealed. Now, this is very interesting. Very interesting to me because it's a comment from a guy who in what appeared to be Jesus' greatest hour of need, what did Peter do? He denied knowing him three times. I don't need to ask you if you're a Christian if you've ever denied knowing Jesus. If you're a parent and you've ever thrown a tantrum in front of your kids, you have denied knowing Jesus. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That moment when we are not living according to what God says, we are saying there is no God. And so we've all denied him. So what's Peter doing here? I think he's reminding us that the grace of God is real. That the forgiveness of sin is real. And we can be confident of such things. See, for Peter... What followed the denial was the call to repent. You can jot down for your notes and read it in your own time. John 21, the risen Christ talking with Jesus. And three times he asked Peter, do you love me? Now you might think, that's kind of mean, three times. Well, three denials, three askings, right? Totally restoring him. And each time Peter would say yes. And Jesus' answer was essentially this. Well, if you love me, I want you to feed my sheep. Well, if you love me, I want you to tend my sheep. Well, if you love me, I want you to follow me. And notice what happened in Peter's life. Peter sinned. The Lord convicted him of his sin. But instead of defaulting to guilt, instead of defaulting to condemnation on himself, instead of defaulting to, oh, well, God could never use a guy like me. I might as well go out and, you know, get wasted and party and not care about God at all. No, what happened? He came back to the Lord he fulfilled his call. He moved forward in grace. Maybe somebody here in this room needs to hear that today. Maybe you have walked so far from God. And I know that as well as anybody does, really. You have walked so far from God and today he's calling you back. Today he's saying, come on back. I'll forgive you. No matter how many times, no matter how bad, no matter how many times it will be in the future, if you come back to me today, you'll find out that my grace and my forgiveness is real. Well, look again at the beginning of verse 2. He says, shepherd the flock, and that would have to do with sheep, right, of God which is among you. What is this? Well, to the leaders in the churches where he's writing to, this is a command to answer the call. The call to be a leader is shepherding the flock. Somebody recently asked me to explain to them what it was to be called to be a pastor. I told them that I owned a business for a number of years, and, and then God called me into the ministry. He goes, was your, ministry, was your business doing poorly? I said, man, we were busting out the seams. And in the middle of it, God interrupts my life and says, I think it's time for you to become a pastor. And, and he said, well, can you explain to me what that's like? And honestly, I couldn't really explain it. And unless that call has been placed upon your life, it's very hard to explain it. I think it really kind of comes down to an inner call. There's some inner sense, and this is something that God would want you to do. 
I think there's also an outer call. Other people recognize it, but not necessarily like, you know, you're with your drunk friends at a party on 4th of July and, you know, you're not as drunk as they are and they're like, oh, you should become a priest or something like that. I had those friends too, but not like that. I'm talking about, like, what do I do with my wife, man? <laughs> but, but more so, even people who already have the call, who are already in the ministry, they see that in you, but it's also followed by action. It's followed by a pursuing of that calling. It's often been said that leaders are called, qualified, and gifted. First Timothy 3 says they have a desire for such things. So it includes spiritual gifts. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that we all have uh, spiritual gifts, and it has to do with, with serving and teaching and encouraging the people of God. But actually, it's a lot more than that. Someone who's called at this level is someone who is compelled to sacrificially lead the church. That means that their lives are going to have to have a great amount of sacrifices and what we might call inconveniences, things that we, no excuses, where we're going to have to give our lives to the church. And such a person, they don't just go to church, they feel the weight of the responsibility for the church. It doesn't mean they're better Christians. It doesn't mean they're more godly. It just means that that is something that God has put inside of them. It, you see when he says here, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, the calling for a leader in this church would look like this. It is a relentless drive to be among you. It is a relentless drive to be among God's people in the church in which God has placed you in, not just your friends. I mean, it's easy to hang out with our friends most of the time, right? It's easy to hang out with our friends. But someone who has the God calling of being a shepherd wants to be with everyone. The most frustrating thing about this gig for me is that I can't talk to every one of you every week. I would love to do that. You can't do it. There's just too many people, not enough of me to go around. I have to talk to everybody for one second. You know, just like plastic, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, shaking hands at the door. You see, here's the fact that a leader can't shepherd you unless they're among you, right? He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. In other words, a leader is here. And I know that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but you can't shepherd the people unless you're among the people and it's not that you have to, it's that you want to. It's not that we say, okay, you're a leader, now you gotta show up every Sunday. No, you watch for people who show up every Sunday and who are dispersing among the flock, not just their friends, and you say, that's a, that's a leader. The church we came from, my wife always signed our kids into the children's ministry and she would say, I will go get the kids after the service and you do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> what was my thing? I would sit next to people. I wasn't a pastor, and if I saw them crying, I would pray with them. If I saw them look like they were hurting or confused or they were new, I would speak with them. And the pastors of the church that I was in recognized that in me and started to work with me a little bit more on my calling. So here we have people that are called and they answer the call. They are encouraged, they're exhorted, to lead. Number two, God's leaders are eager to lead. Eager to lead. Look at verse two again. Shepherd, that's the word pastor. A shepherd is a pastor. 
Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. Very interesting word, overseers. In some Bible versions, it says bishops, bishops. The church I grew up in, when you got a letter from the bishop, it was like, open your wallet, man, right? <laughs> like, we have a letter from the bishop. We're like, oh, we need money, right? So it was an overseer, it was a bishop, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Another version says, eager to serve. So Peter tells us that church leaders... And by the way, the word pastor, elder, and bishop is used interchangeably in the Bible. So if some of you want to start calling me Bishop Jim, it's cool, man. You can do it, right? No, not BJ. It's just as bad as PJ, man. I hate that, right? Okay. So, but those are inter interchangeable terms. Some of us who are older, when we think of the bishop, it's like this old Monty Python skit, but that's just, we're just dating ourselves. Another version says that these overseers, they exercise oversight. Another version says they exercise oversight with authority. Now, a lot of us have had some bad, bad, bad church experiences about the authority and the misuse of authority of people. So let's talk about what authority is not. Authority is not that I get all the passwords on your computer. I can't even remember mine. I'm not going to remember yours. It's not that we want you to bring your pay stubs in and your checkbook in so we can see how much money you give. People have, a lot of people have actually had that happen to them or your, or your tax returns, something like that. They want to make sure that you're, you're giving what you say you're giving. It's not that we follow you around. We're not going to follow you around. It's the funniest thing how language has changed, right? My wife's you know, on the internet and she's like, oh, you know, and she's like, I, you know, I got 10 new followers last week. Now, five years ago, 10 guys followed my wife. I am not happy about that, <laughs> right? Okay, but now I'm kind of cool with it, right? But, but we're not, we're not, we're not going to be following, we're not going to be following you around. We're not going to be trying to control your life. I remember early in the church, somebody came to me uh, about 10 years ago and said, you know, I need your blessing to buy a car. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I need your blessing to buy a car. My old church, before we did anything, we asked the pastor. Silly me, I'm like, I think I, they're waiting for me to go, hmm, give me a minute, hmm, you know, right? And I was like, can you afford a new car? <laughs> What's wrong with the one you have now? And so we've kind of figured out that they could afford a car, and they were like, uh, one more thing, Pastor. I was like, what? I like, 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 what color? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> what color do you like? I was like, you know, no, we're not going to do any of that. We've been studying on Wednesday nights. I hope you're listening along with us if you're not able to come out of uh, the the book of Chronicles, we're studying the kings. And the, and the kings were called often shepherds of God's people. And as shepherds, they had a responsibility to uh, position the people of God for godliness and service in the kingdom of God. Some person, uh, people have been said it this way, that an elder, the term elder describes someone's maturity. The term bishop describes their responsibility. And the term pastor describes their ministry. Now, shepherding and guiding, in addition to teaching, which would be feeding the flock, has a directional or a leading component to it. And you see, I've been, I've been so deeply convicted of this, that there is an administrative function that's very important in being an overseer of the church. Psalm 78, 72 said this about King David, who was the example to be held out by all the kings in the Old Testament. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. 
So it wasn't that David was just this, had integrity. It wasn't that he had a wonderful heart. It just wasn't that he was nice to people all the time. There was a skillfulness in the way he organized the people of God. There was a skillfulness in the way that he led the people of God. And that's the same for you if you're in the business world, if you're in a family, that there's an integrity you must have, but there's a, there's a skillfulness as well. And it's important to see that the Lord gifts people to make them competent in their role. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the book of 1 Peter is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Changed by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us and write us a card or letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.